Are you looking for the key that unlocks the door to happiness? Well, I'm here today to help you find that elusive key that may just help you become a happier version of yourself. I'll talk about real science in the field of positive psychology, as well as some research-based strategies that you can incorporate into your daily routine that will improve your level of happiness in as little as 21 days. And you know what the best part is? You won't even have to find more time in your day to accomplish this because you can do it all while brushing your teeth. I'm Kelly Clark, business owner, boy mom, dog mom, nurse practitioner, book nerd, self-improvement obsessed, and a self-proclaimed recovering candyholic. After years of practicing ER medicine as a nurse and then as a nurse practitioner, I decided that I could do a lot more good working with people to prevent the diseases that brought them into the ER in the first place. It was then that I started my business, Medical Weight Loss and Wellness, where we promote and educate on the many benefits of a ketogenic lifestyle. A decade later, we have two locations and I employ 30 passionate and amazing women who have become a second family to me. I have found weight loss medicine to be incredibly challenging and immensely rewarding. It is one of the most complex areas of medicine due to how intimately intertwined the relationship is between our metabolic physiology and our personal psychology. In Confessions of a Candyholic, I will pull the many dynamics of weight loss together through the telling of my personal stories, the inspiring journeys of our patients, the experiences of my nursing staff. I'll even drop some keto knowledge and I'll discuss matters that can help improve your life. Change is hard, but it is only through change that we can level up to become the best version of who we are. It would be my pleasure to hold your hand as we all work together to become better versions of ourselves. So let me tell you a little bit about what drew me into this subject. I have two boys. One is definitely that glasses half full kind of guy, and the other one is the glasses maybe kind of half empty. So that's my younger son, Brady. And I guess I was always trying to bring him to the bright side, which can become somewhat exhausting after a while. You know, it would, it would be, and examples would be, I dropped that fly ball, I suck. And then I'd say to him, well, you had that really great hit or you caught that ball or you made that play at third. Another example might be the weather just sucks on this vacation. It's going to be miserable. And I'd say, well, at least we have time together. We're spending time with your grandparents, et cetera, et cetera. You get my point. I always question how do I have these two kids with such different perspectives? I would consider myself an optimist. I would also consider Brady's dad an optimist. Most of my family is pretty optimistic. So how do I help these kids to start to see the bright side of things? Knowing that this is going, if, if I don't make some changes or, or help him to make some changes sooner than later, he's going to be quite the curmudgeon <laughs> as he gets older. And I mean, can we all admit that we'd much rather be in the company of a happy, more optimistic person than Eeyore? You know who Eeyore is, that character from Winnie the Pooh, the one that's generally pessimistic, gloomy, and depressed. Like, who wants to be around that? It's energy zapping. It's exhausting. It's a Debbie Downer. Nobody wants to be around that for a long time. You can only manage that for periods of time. It just sucks the lifeblood out of you. Clearly, my trying to bring up the positives in the midst of Brady's Eeyore talk was not resonating with him. So I started to Google, how how can 
you even and help somebody become more optimistic. And I wasn't looking for I wasn't looking for him to become positive Pollyanna, just a little more optimistic. Like I'd settle for Pollyanna's uh, more subdued brother, Brightside Bill or Brightside Brady in this case. What I discovered was eye opening. There's this entire field of what's called positive psychology. It's it was like I discovered this whole new world. Interestingly enough, I found that there was a lecturer that began a class at Harvard University back in 2006. His name was Tal Ben-Shahar. And this was in the Department of Psychology. And since its inception in 2006 has been the most popular and sought after class that Harvard University has to offer. In 2018, Yale offered a similar class. They call it the Good Life. And within one week, 1,200 students enrolled. And that's, I guess, a quarter of their undergrad class. This led me to read a few books, watch some YouTube lectures on the subject, listen to some podcasts, and I can list these in show notes if you're interested. But there was a ton out there. One of the books that I started with and that I'll refer back to along the way was by Sean Aker, and it's called The Happiness Advantage. It was a super easy read, and it's absolutely captured my attention and bolstered my confidence in the fact that change is possible. A great point that Sean makes in the book is the old formula that we've been taught that if we work hard, you're going to become successful and that is going to equate to happiness. Whether it's, hey, I'm going to be really happy when I get that new job or I get that promotion or I lose weight or when I graduate from college or grad school or high school or whatever the case is. But the problem is that equation is fundamentally broken. Every time your brain has a success, you change the goalpost of what success looks like. So think of it like this. The high school athlete that is, let's say, an all-star football player, and he says to himself, I'm going to be so happy, so excited when I get recruited and get a full ride from a Big Ten college and can play football at that level. And he does. And then he's playing college football. He's playing really well. And he says, he moves the goalposts. I will be happy when I am recruited by the NFL and I'm a draft pick and I'm, I'm playing at that level. And he makes it there. But then he moves the goalpost again and says, I'm going to be super happy when my team makes the Super Bowl and wins it. So he's moved the goalposts, moved the goalposts, moved the goalposts. And that's what we do. We continue to move the goalpost and we never really experience joy and happiness when we continue to do that. And that is so driven into our nature because it's kind of what we've always been taught. But more than 15 years of research in the field of positive psychology has proven that it is happiness that leads to success and not the other way around. So essentially, it's about appreciating the journey. And you hear that all the time, but how true it is. Defined by the ancient Greeks, happiness is the joy you feel growing toward your potential. It's just about appreciating the everyday, the ups and the downs, and being able to see the light in whatever comes your way. Because we all know that pleasure is short-lived, whether it's a vacation, the flowers you receive from somebody you care about, or winning a race. Happiness is being able to feel and experience the joy in the midst of life's ups and downs. So let me get down to the nitty-gritty here. According to the research, optimists are generally more happy. So how do I become more happy? Well, you become more optimistic. Well, how do you do that? Practice gratitude. That is the trick. Naturally, you might ask, why do I even want to become more happy or optimistic? Well, the research also shows that 
It can help improve your immunity and your general health, prevent chronic disease. They find that optimistic people tend to receive more social support, are less stressed and less depressed and anxious. They have increased productivity. It strengthens relationships, improves self-esteem, and they have higher emotional resilience. Now, my observation in 10 years of working in the space of weight loss is that the folks that really make it to their goal, the ones that just keep going despite the downs, because there's always going to be downs, okay? You're going to have weeks or days or months that are great, and then you're going to have times that are just not great, and you want to throw in the towel. And a lot of people do, and it's natural. It's human nature. We want to focus on other things because there's other things going on in our life, and we we somehow say, well, this is more important, so I'm going to put myself aside, which is a whole other subject on self-care that we'll talk about in another podcast. But going back to what I was saying is that the folks that just really plow through generally are more optimistic individuals. They don't let the downs get to them. They're is going to be downs. There are going to be so many times you want to throw in that towel. Despite having a great week, you get on that scale and nothing happens or it goes up. You know what? That's how it works. That is just how it goes sometimes. And the folks that just keep on going and plow through are the ones that don't internalize it so much. They just say, okay, well, I got next week. I'm going to either do better or I'm going to trust in the process and I'm going to keep going forward. If you allow yourself to get stressed out and you just internalize it all, you're going to implode. You're going to quit. You're you're going to go through the McDonald's drive through as soon as you leave the clinic. I mean, that's a lot oftentimes what will happen. But the folks that really plow through, the ones that make it to their goal, especially the ones that have to lose 75 plus, 100 plus pounds, they just trust the process. They have a more optimistic attitude. And despite the downs, they keep on going. So this is why it is important to become more optimistic for so many reasons. But also in this weight loss journey, it is something that will keep you going to stop stop internalizing it all and start to just trust the process and know that you're doing the right thing for yourself, despite getting on the scale and maybe not losing weight that week. So now what? Each book, lecture, podcast that I explored gave several strategies that you can use to raise your happiness bar. But the one thing they all unquestionably agreed upon and cite as the very first and most important step to increasing your level of happiness is the practice of gratitude. And this is not just a bunch of wonky, foo-foo, fluff science that can't possibly work on me. Studies actually show that optimism is 25% inheritable. That leaves 75% wiggle room that we have control of. In Sean Aker's book, The Happiness Advantage, he talks about an experiment that was done over a 21-day period where they were actually able to measure and implement a strategy that took low-level pessimists and turned them into moderate optimists in 21 days. So are you ready to try this? It's super easy. What do you do or think about when you're brushing your teeth? 
Probably not much, right? It's one of those habits that is just automatic and, well, we, I hope so, <laughs> and mindless. So now what we're going to do is purposely think about what we're grateful for. The directions are specific. So each day while you're brushing your teeth, you're going to think of three things that you're grateful for, three very specific things you're grateful for that occurred over the past 24 hours. More importantly, why are you grateful for them? Let me give you an example of three that I used yesterday. One was that my 15-year-old Brady just came up and gave me a big bear hug out of nowhere. The reason being, you got to appreciate that from a 15-year-old. They're kind of trying to find their place in the world, and sometimes it means not giving your, their parents as much affection as they, physical affection as they used to. Number two was a credit card that I could not find I found yesterday and I was grateful so because I didn't have to call the credit card company and go through all of that. The third one was I got news that a friend of mine, her cancer is responding well so far to chemotherapy. And the reason being is that she has three young kids and a husband that really, really need her. And she's got a lot of life left in her and a lot of good to be done in this world. So I'm really, really grateful that she is responding to chemotherapy. So again, they just have to be three things that you're grateful for that occurred in the past 24 hours and why are you grateful? That's it. That's all. So why does this work? Because our brains are single processors, okay? And when we're scanning for things to be grateful for, there's no brain space for anger, sadness, and worry. You're going to start to find that you are looking for these things. You're looking for these good, positive items to be grateful for because you're thinking, well, I brush my teeth later and I have to come up with these. And your brain will start to change. Believe it or not, it actually starts to change. And this is what allows the building blocks to accumulate so that you are creating a better, more positive, more happy self. Not that hard, right? I mean, to really change your personality, to really change who you are and your outlook on life and to improve your health and so many other things. This is all you have to do. And it's all while brushing your teeth. So I challenge you for 21 days to do this. So getting back to my son, Brady, what did I do in the home front to implement some of this strategy? It's not easy to ask a teenager to practice gratitude while he's brushing his teeth. Of course, I talked about it, whether he's going to do it or not. Probably not. But what I did do is that once a day, usually it was at dinner time. Sometimes it was in the morning if we were all together. I would say, hey, guys, what are you grateful for? Tell me something that happened during your day yesterday or something during the day today that you're grateful for. And of course, they default to the simple, I'm grateful for you, or I'm grateful for dad, or I'm grateful for my grandparents. But I asked them to be more specific. And they started to get the hang of it. And I started asking them this on a daily basis. And so it was just one thing I was asking for. And whether or not it's turned Brady into a more positive person, I can definitely tell you he seems more positive. Whether it's maturity, whether it's, it's this exercise in particular, I don't know. I don't really care. But he does seem more positive. So I like to believe this had a little something to do with it. So it's definitely something you can implement in the home front by having your children 
your partner. Ask them, what are you grateful for? And do it on a daily basis and see if you start to notice a difference in their attitude. Hey, it's worth a try, right? Now, I had said before that I consider myself an optimistic person, but who doesn't want to become more happy or more optimistic? I really started implementing the practice of gratitude on a daily basis a little over a year ago. Where I notice it the most is during the day when something frustrates me or somebody angers me, I immediately shift my brain to the things that I'm grateful for. And it brings me down. I'm still dealing with whatever it is that frustrates me or makes me angry, but I'm doing it in a better way. I'm not responding as emotionally as I may have in the past. I bring myself down. I refocus. I recenter. I think of things I'm grateful for, and I approach the subject differently. That's where I've really noticed a huge difference for myself. So are you ready to try this? I'm super excited for you too. What you're going to see at the clinic over the next few weeks is, well, I guess while supplies last, is we have these little bracelets. They're like those little live strong ones, you know, and they say gratitude on it and it says three things daily. So wear that as your reminder. There's also a little card in the pouch that you can post up on your mirror or where you store your toothbrush or wherever you like that reminds you to do this activity on a daily basis. Because again, it's very important that it's done daily for 21 days in a row. Now, what do you do after 21 days? Well, I hope you keep doing it because it can only get better, right? On a side note, if you'd prefer to keep a gratitude journal, that's absolutely fine. You're accomplishing the same exact thing. There's even some apps out there that you can use to help hone in on your gratitude practice. In conclusion, it's important to keep in mind that there's actually a science telling us that happiness leads to better health, deeper social connections, job satisfaction, work performance, and longevity. Also, that happiness is a choice, but it does require effort. And when people put in the effort, the exciting part is that it shows that your behavior, your habits do matter. They mean something. So keep in mind Happiness is a choice, it can spread, and it holds incredible advantage in our life. The deep message here is that change is possible and that our genetics and our environment are not our destiny. We have a choice. We can actually control our level of happiness. We can actually turn ourselves into a more optimistic individual. More importantly, in my very last point, as we add these habits into our life, do it with love, spread the word, help those that are currently unhappy, and don't shame them for where they are, and show them that happiness is possible within their life. Thank you so much for listening to my first podcast episode. My hope is that I can bring you one episode a week. I'll probably try to get them out toward the end of each week, and I'll do my very best to keep on that schedule. Until next time, remember, it's hard to be hateful when you're grateful.